Welcome to the Odd Topic Podcast, a weekly show covering all things weird, wild, and wonderful. Now, I wouldn't call it a coincidence that I'm here today, joined by my fellow co-host, Luke Hawkins. Hey. Because, well, he's here every week. Every damn week. Every damn week. But there are times in our lives where we've had a good chuckle at some strange events that have transpired. Maybe rocking up to a party wearing the same outfit as someone else, or humming a song that immediately starts playing on the radio. These strange events are what we call a coincidence, and normally we would brush them off and go about our day. I won't go into any of the technical details, I'll leave that up to Luke, but I do want to bring up a story that I feel is, well, pretty odd to say the least. Wouldn't be an odd topic episode if it wasn't. <laughs> exactly. Today, I want to tell you about a ship, the biggest of its kind at that point. It was an ocean liner that sat at over 800 feet long, holding around 2,500 people and was viewed by many as among the greatest works of men and, well, unsinkable. On a fateful night, 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland, while the passengers were sleeping, the ship hit an iceberg and started to sink. As the passengers ran for safety, they realized that there were in fact too few lifeboats to hold all the passengers. I mean, the ship was unsinkable. Why were lifeboats even needed to begin with? The ship eventually succumbed to its fatal collision and sank, taking down the majority of the passengers with it. You should all have the name of the ship in your minds, right? A lot of you are probably cursing the fact that I'm even having to explain these events again. Well, what happens if I told you that I wasn't talking about the Titanic? And I was in fact talking about a ship that existed 14 years before the Titanic ever set sail. We have spoken about this before, but I'm bringing this back because I don't think we gave it the justice that it needed. Because the ship that I'm talking about is in fact called the Titan. Yes, the similarities continue. In 1898, a man by the name of Morgan Robertson wrote a novel titled The Wreck of a Titan. A story of a luxury ocean liner that during its maiden journey hits an iceberg and sinks, becoming one of the world's greatest tragedies. So let's take a look at how close these two stories are. Both ships were British owned. Both sank in the North Atlantic after being hit on their starboard bow at around midnight. Both were 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland. Both lacked lifeboats and both saw the majority of their passengers go down with the ships. The ships had similar designs even down to the triple screw propeller and four stacked funnels. They had similar names as mentioned before and even clocked similar speeds when hitting an iceberg. The Titan at 25 knots and the Titanic at 22.5. Both ships had a carrying capacity of 3,000 people, with the Titan's total number being 2,500 and the Titanic just being over 2,200. To think that Morgan Robinson had the foresight into the future maritime design is an understatement. In the late 1800s, ships had only started seeing steam-powered engines. Most still came equipped with sails. The design of the Titan matched the trends of ships, but took large leaps in some aspects which hadn't even been thought of. Robinson put this all down to a vast knowledge of shipbuilding and, well, coincidence. Robinson was obviously accused of clairvoyance due to the accuracy of the events that transpired with the Titanic. But he held fast and denied any conspiracies. There were obviously differences between the novel and real-life occurrences. For example, the Titan capsized before sinking, whereas the Titanic broke in half. 
Also, the Titan only saw 17 survivors, whereas the Titanic left a total of 705. Now, the book had an actual story, similar to what James Cameron tried to portray in the Titanic movie. The book tells the tale of John Rowland, an alcoholic, dismissed naval officer who gets a job aboard the Titan as a deckhand. After the ship hits the iceberg, John manages to jump to the iceberg with the young daughter of his former lover. While on the iceberg, he fights and kills a polar bear, finds a washed up lifeboat, and then eventually gets saved by a passing ship. These events I would have definitely appreciated in James Cameron's version. Dude, it would have made it so much better. <laughs> no. I want to see Leonardo take out a polar bear, dude. <laughs> the more episodes we do that revolve around the Titanic, the more secret adaptions we come up with. Imagine a mummy cursed Titanic gliding <laughs> into an iceberg after time travelers flood the decks and then the only way out is to survive on an iceberg and fight a polar bear. <laughs> I, th- I mean, we, we have our... We have a script. We have a script. We have our Oscar basically waiting for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robinson was known for his sea stories. His father was a ship captain, and in his early days, Morgan worked on board merchant ships as a cabin boy. In one instance, he actually made his way all the way up to first mate. In 1904, he wrote another novel, this time based on a submarine, and one that used a special instrument he called a periscope. Unknown to him, the U.S. Navy had already spent time on such an instrument, with the first iteration coming out two years prior in 1902. Robertson tried to claim that the patent was his, saying that he had created the first prototype. The patent was, however, denied, saying that the Navy had created it first, and Robertson's timing was just, well, pure coincidence. I almost feel sorry for Robinson. He spent most of his life jumping between careers, from shipmate to Jula at some point, <laughs> and then finally a writer, and even with the success of The Wreck of the Titan, he still didn't make much money. Yeah. I guess also having such a unique story and then having it actually happen. It probably boosted the book's popularity. Yeah, when- but then everyone just started calling him, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> this poor dude, man. Yeah. He, just, he can't catch a break. He, he can't catch a break. I, I went through a list of his books. He wrote so many books. I think it's almost one of those like monkey in a typewriter situations yeah. where eventually one will stick. Yeah. Okay. Obviously not to the accuracy of this. Yeah. Um, when we spoke about this in the previous, uh, I think it was our Horrors at Sea story, we briefly kind of covered Morgan Robinson and the fact that The Wreck of the Titan or Futility was such a, a big book, but we never really went into the like actual specifics of it. And when you go through how many similarities there are, it's ridiculous. They're actually side-by-side photos of what the Titanic looked like, as well as what he described in the book, the Titan looked like. And it's almost identical. It's got the four stacks in the middle of it. It's got, okay, he had sails on the outer um, edges of the, of the of the ship, purely because that's what was accepted back then. Yeah, it was the Mo- norm. At the it time. was the norm. Mo- most ships, even if they were steam-powered, still had sails because I don't think they really trusted the technology. <laughs> I love the fact that his story ended with like them climbing on the iceberg. I think that would have been... It's a great ending. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot better than falling off a door into the freezing cold uh, ice. Exactly. Uh, apparently, when they get rescued off the iceberg, they then get taken back to uh i don't know if they get taken to new york or get back taken back to to the uk where the ship actually started 
he gets accused of kidnapping the daughter that he helped like escape but then eventually in court the judge eventually lets him go because he feels sorry for him and the, the under the circumstances it was a brave thing yeah. to do it sounds like he really didn't nail the ending on this one apparently the ship sinks like halfway through the novel and then the end is just obviously the guy trying to fight polar bears and get off the the, the iceberg and back. This guy does not know how to do like like the normal structure of a, of a novel. Like the crescendo, or whatever the main part is, like in the middle. In the middle, yeah. And then just tapers off towards the end. I can see why he wasn't very successful. Yeah. I found like very like varying sources on on his life through the ages because they kind of conflict and they're like, oh, he was a jeweler for ten years, but then it also says that he left. Uh, being like a deckhand on ships uh, in like the late 1890s, which is when he wrote this book. Mm. So he's already a writer. I don't know. Um, but he had a very weird kind of youth and career in that aspect. Certainly very colorful. Yeah, very colorful. Uh, obviously, a lot of his stuff became really, really big and more, more, more big in terms of controversy. And I think he didn't like that. And I think at one point he even had to defend himself saying that he wasn't uh, a clairvoyant and he he didn't have psychic powers or anything like that. Because, I mean, he was still alive. It was only 14 years later. He was still alive when the Titanic happened. It's kind of bullshit because he came up with the whole idea first and the guys that came after were like, what? Instead of just saying, (laughs) like, we didn't copy him. Of course not. He must have seen into the future. (laughs) Like, okay. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) He's got a strange story and, I mean, as close as his thing was, I guess it was common for that time for things to be like that. Apparently, the the path that the ship took was the quickest path between those two points. Okay. So, it wasn't like, oh, but out of the whole ocean, how was he here? No, no that was literally the shortest part. Uh, it was a very popular shipping route at that point and ocean liners were a big thing, even in his era. It wasn't like a thing that they didn't know about. They were almost known as like luxury hotels. And only the wealthy of the wealthy could go on them. So like me. <laughs> I'll be on the, the bottom deck there with Jack and all them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Gambling, Gambling and, and drinking and <laughs> dancing. Yeah. So that is the story of the Titan. Um, a very, very coincidental story that, I mean, still gets spoken about today. Well, well, well. Brett, what a coincidence that I also did a topic on coincidences. That is a coincidence. Fancy that. It's almost like we planned this in advance or something. (laughs) Don't tell them how we work. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how coincidences work, though. I guess it's all about probability in the end. The chance of two related things happening at the same time. But that's sort of how probability works. The chance of these two related things happening has as good of a chance as two completely unrelated things from happening. It just stands out a lot more. So let's get a bit mathematical here. So let's say I've got a red marble in front of me, right? And then there's a bag which I can't see into. That bag has a blue, a green, a yellow, and another red marble. I have an equal chance of picking out any color of marble out of that bag. But if I happen to pick out the red one, I'd say, oh my, what a coincidence, because I already have a red marble on the outside of the bag. But it's not really a coincidence at all, is it? Just probability. I had a 25% chance of picking the red marble as I did with any of the others. It just feels more special because I already had a red one. Yeah. Now take that dumb little lesson on probability and apply it to something larger, something with millions of different possibilities. The chance of that one possibility that lines up with something else you have is crazy low, but just as much as any other random event. It just stands out. 
And that's why we like it, because it feels so rare. It must feel special. It feels like unique. Yeah. Like mystical. Correct. I mean, there's obviously loads more about probability than this. If my marble bag had 20 blue marbles and one red marble, then sure. It's way more unlikely that I'll pick a red one because there's so many blues. But that doesn't quite apply to life because life has infinite possibilities and none of them are the same. So something can feel like a super rare chance if you compare it very two-dimensionally, like the chance of this happening versus the chance of it not happening. Again with the marbles, the chance of me picking out the red marble versus not the red marble in a bag of blues is low. But that's because I'm looking at only a yes versus no. Is it the red or not the red? As soon as I tell you that the blue marbles are all different shades of blue, one has a spot, one has a stripe, then the chance of picking a red marble versus the chance of picking the blue marble with a spot is again equally the same. And that's life. In reality, the different possibilities have an equal chance of happening. But the one that appears to be the coincidence stands out because after getting it, we immediately compare it to the chance of it not happening instead of the chance of other events happening. Anyway. This is a long and convoluted little lesson in probability, so sorry about that. But I just wanted to put some logic behind it. Same with yours, Brett, in your Titanic example. At the end there, you said, what well, wasn't really a coincidence, like the two ships taking the same path, because that's the most common path to take. Yeah. In a vacuum, that doesn't seem like such a big deal. But it's when you rack up all the coincidences together that it starts to get a little bit insane. Correct. The numbers versus the numbers is just like, yeah. it, out of the whole possibilities, becomes too much. It's like putting your hand into your marble bag out of 50 marbles 10 are red and you pick up all 10 with one hand at the same time yeah exactly it's it, it, a chance of that is crazy yeah so in my story something very similar happens now don't get me wrong coincidences are crazy cool i'm not trying to steal the magic away from them in fact the one i'm about to tell you will seem to blow my whole logic behind coincidences out of the water completely i'm talking here about the gym twins back in 1940 in ohio Two identical twin boys were handed over to an adoption agency. The twins, still being infants at the time, were adopted by separate families fairly shortly thereafter, who never met nor saw each other. The twins themselves, now separated, had no knowledge at the time of each other because they were still babies. Each of the adopted families knew the child they had had a twin, but that was the extent of it. No communication between any of them ever happened, they never met, nothing. However, at the age of 37, one of the twins, knowing he was a twin, let curiosity get the better of him and decided to try and track down his brother. In 1977, he finally managed to get in touch by finding contact details of the other family through the Ohio courthouse. The two brothers spoke on the phone and agreed to meet. Upon meeting, they started talking about their lives and how they were brought up, etc. And this is when things got comically insane. As it turns out, both of the twins were named James by their respective adoptive families and they both went by the shorthand name for James, which is Jim. They grew up in houses that were only approximately 65 kilometers from each other, and they each had a dog growing up, whom they adored, and they each named their dogs Toy. Wow. There's not really much there, I'd say. I'd say there's only two coincidences in total. The fact that they lived fairly close isn't really a coincidence to me, and James was a very popular name at the time. This we can fit into my whole marble theory. One's named James, the chance of the other being named James is equal to any other name being chosen. If not actually more so because of the popularity of the name. I'm not shocked by this. Then comes the dog. Again, same thing in a vacuum. This is just another coincidence. I'm not sure how much of a common name for a dog this was. I think it's a weird name. It is a weird name. I mean, I can imagine it being common because of its ease. 
But yeah. I wouldn't think of calling a dog toy. Maybe they're both toy palms or something. I That's very, very um, lazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the unique thing about this is that two coincidences have lined up so far. Their name and the dog's name. Yes. But this is not where it ends. The twins continued discussing their lives and were now talking about more recent events in their adulthood. Both of the gyms were in their second marriage. Their first wives each shared the exact same name, Linda, whom they each divorced. They then went on to marry second wives, each of them, and you guessed it, they had the same name, Betty. Each of the gyms went on to have a child, both of them having a son, and wouldn't you just believe it, they each named their sons James Allen. What's up with these guys' names? Crazy, eh? One Allen was spelled with two L's, but it's still pretty damn close. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is where my whole marble theory begins to collapse a little bit. Yes, in a vacuum, each one is justifiable. Linda and Betty both being common female names, their sons having the same first name as their father, which is quite normal, and the name Alan was also pretty common, and it wasn't even spelt the same. So if you look at it like that, okay, not a big deal. But the probability of all of these coincidences happening at the same time to the same people is astronomically low. That's ridiculous. Take each one of these individual coincidences and apply them to the same people and, out of a near infinite number of possibilities, to line up the same names again and again and again is the ultimate coincidence. It must be said that there are actually even more coincidences here. They were both smokers, but not really a coincidence. Everyone no, smokes. everyone smoked. They both drove the exact same car. Okay. Which is a little bit unique, weirder. but yeah. they also both worked in security fields. So one was a security guard and the other was an ex-deputy sheriff. Not too crazy, but on top of the other coincidences, this just adds to it. I mean, if you were to take even two strangers and put them against each other, you wouldn't find that many no. kind of similarities. No. Now take twins who up until this point didn't know of each other. And you all of a sudden have got a really, really weird, strange scenario. It's an endless string of coincidences. Yes. Their lives are so intertwined that they're almost the same people. I mean, I've heard of this twins having this foresight and this yeah. like intuition between themselves, but not this much. No. I call witchcraft, man. <laughs> Even that only extends so far. Like, if you're going to use the whole twin foresight theory, then okay, naming your son would kind of fit the box. You didn't name yourself, though. Your parents named you. Correct. You didn't pick the names of the people you fell in love with. No. It I mean, you so might have a type, but generally people people's types aren't names. On, yeah, not based on names. No. Yeah. So a whole series of weirdness. A coincidence to me is really just normal probability making itself look flashy. But sometimes you really wonder if that's all it is. If you want to go back even a couple more layers, one could analyze the population as a whole and look at how many twins exist in the world how many were left at adoption agencies. Probably find out of the millions and millions of people on this planet that it's quite high. And you'll probably find almost all of those don't have any coincidences at all happening to them. Yes. So again, it's another coincidence within that coincidence that this has happened and it's probability. The chances of that random sort of alignment of events. Yeah. I mean, it's possible in a world of infinite possibilities, some things are going to line up like that. Yeah. It's kind of the same as multi-universe theorem. It actually is. Whereas there's a universe where everything different can happen. It's just, it's endless. Yeah. Something's going to happen a certain way in every universe. Yeah. And, and I think with our world being how it is, you have these scenarios popping up and it's only one or two or three that are outstanding like these two stories. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is over the span of the past, what, a hundred years. Yeah. Well, since the dawn of time. Since the dawn of time. 
And we look at those and be like, what is the possibility of that? And you think that possibility is crazy. But then you think of everything that has happened, everyone that has been born, everyone that has gotten married. Exactly. Every book that was written since then, something like this will stand out. Yeah. Just natural, I It'll guess. Stand out and it will happen. Yeah. I've and and I, I said this in the intro. I've had a case where I've had a song stuck in my head and I've gotten into my car and I put my car on and immediately on my playlist, the song started at the exact point that I was in my head. <laughs> and I think I've had that for, yeah. I think I've had that before as well. And I mean, that, 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 that probably comes closer to your Marvel theory because I only have very few songs on my yes. playlist that I have been listening to. So the chances of that song being stuck in my head, the chances of that song playing again within the two minutes or three minutes of the song, it's possible. Especially if you're on shuffle especially if you're on shuffle, but it doesn't explain these grand no. coincidence stories no. where you have two, okay, well, seemingly unrelated, but related instances. And they have so much in common. Like it's basically every step of their life. I mean, I'm talking about the gyms now. Yeah. They seem to make the same choices and not even choices. They seem to make the same moves that get them in the same place. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the two wives like looked like both had <laughs> blonde hair or dark hair or whatever. Like they even looked the same. Could be. It's so crazy. It's so interesting to think of that. And uh, if you, if you look at the Titan and the wreck of the Titan and the Titanic, there are a lot more possibilities in mine because ships generally follow a specific way of movement and you can you can see into the future briefly as to how a ship will be okay so design aside now look at your shipping path i mean it's really weird that they both chose the same places but okay cool let's put it down to common shipping paths that's your shipping path yeah hitting an iceberg okay in that area in that area what are the chances but that probably is probably quite high probably quite high but what else would you hit? So, okay, cool. Put that aside. Uh, but then you start looking at the lifeboat thing. That's a bit weird. Because yeah. the Titanic had enough holders to have enough lifeboats. They chose not to fill all of them. Why? So, the Titanic had 16 holders. Each holder could hold three lifeboats. That totaled 48 lifeboats and could hold all 3,000 people. Okay, they only had 2,200, or just over 2,226, but they could hold up to 3,000. They chose to only hold 16. Why? Which only could hold half. Few of those lifeboats didn't even uh, eject properly and were useless. So now you're looking at, okay, that's a bit of a coincidence. And now you start looking at the number of people on board. Okay, cool. You start looking at the deaths. You start looking at all of that kind of stuff. It was stuff that people are obviously petrified of, but didn't ever think that it would happen. So now you have two instances, same place, of same those time. Those coincidences, it adds up. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, again, I mean, stick your hand back in that bag of marbles, Brett. Yeah. Let's say, you have a bag full of, <laughs> <laughs> let's say you have a bag full of infinite marble colors and you pick one out, it happens to be red. You pick another one out, also red. Another one out, also red. Another one out, also red. Yeah. That is highly unlikely. Yes. Picking up a red one, fine, equals anything Correct. else. Picking up a red one after the red one, unlikely. In that, in that sub-instance, equal chance if there's infinite marbles. Yeah. But two in a row, and suddenly your probability network begins to expand. Correct. So there's just, it's, it's mind-boggling that these things can happen. Yeah. 
I've heard the Jim twins story and quite a while ago. So I'd forgotten a lot of their actual similarities. I remember the dog and I remember their, their first wife being the same. I, I, I didn't remember the others, but I love it. I think it's so cool that in a world of possibilities, they had that many. And they found each other. Can you imagine how spooky they must have felt? Yes. Like, telekinetic, bro. Yeah. Your wife's named this, my wife's <laughs> named this. <laughs> you had a dog named Toy? I had a dog named Toy. Best oh. friends forever. <laughs> so coincidences aside, these are still fantastic stories in their own kind of ways. And there are probably so many more that are just so coincidental that it actually doesn't seem believable. But it's the world we live in. And as Luke said, there are infinite possibilities to infinite problems. One might think that your situation is different or interesting, but out of an infinite amount of possibilities, you're just the lucky one. But that's that's it for us this week. Um, we really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys did too. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another fantastic one. But in the meantime, please go check us out on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, at Autopic Podcast. Uh, check out our website. It kind of does lead you to everything anyway, at autopicpodcast.com. You can also email us. Do you have any weird coincidences that you have kind of know of or have happened to you? Email us, community at autopicpodcast.com. But until next time... Stay fresh. Stay freaky. Bye. Bye.